0: Visit RobertHalf.com today. Freaking First Cut. Golly.
1: First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Joining me this evening, Mark Immelman is here, Greg Ducharme is here, and gentlemen, after 1,100 and 45 straight events without a victory, the Puerto Rico curse has come to an end. Can you believe it, uh, Greg? We'll we'll start with you here because you and I have a lot of fun talking about the Puerto Rico Open Curse. Victor Hovland, breaking news apparently. Breaking news. <laughs> producer Jacob knows what's going on. Breaking news with a 65 on Sunday and 20 under par. Greg, Victor Hovland is your champion. The second win of his PGA Tour career.
2: I, I'm not sure there's any curse that can hold him back. He's just that. Uh, <laughs> he's he's just that good, and it's it's quite evident. So his game, T to green is so solid, but Rick, I'm just a little disappointed. What are we going to, Mark was saying this earlier. What are we going to talk about now? It feels like now there's no more excuse for Tony Finau. There's it, this, this opens up a whole, a whole new thing here, but, um, but good for Victor Hovland. It was a great win.
1: Yeah. Great, great for Victor Hovland, Mark. We were just messing around and said the curse can continue until someone does it on the mainland. But no, this is uh, for all intents and purposes. Victor Hovland was the guy who was going to break this. It was either him or Tony Finau and uh even without the curse to go 63 65 on the weekend uh play the way he did we're going to get into his 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 final rounds but uh kudos to this young man uh again continuing the the torch being passed to this this
3: young set of golfers on the pga uh, judging by the way he played with a birdie on the last to win no less i i don't think he was worried (laughs) much about the curse either Uh, yeah it was it was a veteran performance from from one of the young guns on tour and and I just keep watching this crop of youngsters come out. You know, Marikawa obviously done with what he's done and now now a second victory for Victor Hovland. they they just so mature and they just... And everything he did coming down the stretch there, he'd make a big par save there on 16 and hand it off the putter like it was just a, a, another day's work, you know. And then buries a, a winning birdie putt on the 18th hole and you get just a, a, just a gentle little fist bump. I was like, come on, man, let go <laughs> over here. You know, show up with Tiger Woods or whatever, but it just shows you sort of how calm these guys are and sort of how they expect to do this sort of a thing. You know, many moons ago, any rookie making a putt to win a PGA Tour event It'd probably go bananas. I mean, I remember when my brother Trevor won his first one um at the Western Open, way back in the day. Now granted it was like thirty feet and it was to beat Tiger Woods. <laughs> down onto his knees and almost lay down on his back on the green. I mean, it was a big deal. But yes, Hovland just knocks in his putt and he's like, all right, nice job. next week we'll 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 continue again. Yeah,
1: I think he's expecting to uh, do this a lot on Sundays, although he might not internally feel that way, Greg. So I was tuning in because I knew we were going to get a great Victor Hovland soundbite after after he comes off the green on 18. Last time he won, he told us, and I quote, yeah, I suck at chipping this time. He tells us, quote, I don't feel comfortable in those moments at all. He actually referenced. A shot that he hit on 16, and he said, I-, "I thought I lost it then, and and my hands were shaking a little bit." So, you know, to make birdie on the 72nd hole, uh, it didn't look like the nerves were affecting him. But uh, the story is is different from the words of uh, from the mouth of Victor Hovland.
2: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure there's anybody out there that's comfortable in this moment with an opportunity to win a PGA Tour. I, I just don't think you're comfortable, and that's the whole fun in it. That's what you practice for. That's what you play for, so you can execute when you're uncomfortable and Man, the shot on 16, you could see it in his face. He was he was very disappointed with himself. And it almost looked, Rick, to what you were saying, it almost looked like he felt like he had lost it there. Um, and it was just a, a great up and down on 16 that really kept him going. Um, but as I was watching this, what really stood out to me, the bogey at number 12, and I'm thinking back to Friday, Rick. We were recording, and he's out there making three bogeys and no birdies on the second nine coming in, and it looked like he was kind of falling out of contention in one nine-hole stretch, and he got himself right back in the mix. He all of a sudden has a two-shot lead, and now it's it's gone after hole number 12, and you're wondering if that's going to happen again, but he answers with birdies at 13, birdie at 14, uh, and and, of course, the birdie at 18, too. To seal the deal so it was a gutsy performance and he turned the tide um quite nicely on on the par five thirteen.
3: i, I wouldn't just i we have to visit for a little while you, you guys referenced the poor approach shot on 16 but how about that bunker shot in the putt i mean <laughs> oh, unbelievable <laughs> legitimate okay i mean this, this uh, yes he said he admitted his hands were shaking and such but goodness gracious me that that was not as easy as he made it look i mean that bunker shot it was riddled with stuff that could go wrong over there, and he blasted it out there to makeable range and buries the putt like it's it's no one's no one's issues. I,
2: I think, Rick, uh, Mark, that's why he looked so disappointed after he hit that shot because he knows where what he left himself. Hmm. Uh, it was not an easy up and down, but he was able to get it done. So it's kind of cool that that it comes down to his short game for a second there, right? For a guy who who struggles with short game more than any other area of his game, as Rick said, he he says I suck at chipping after uh, after a. <laughs> Win his first win, all of a sudden it, it's a bunker shot. That to me, that it was a, the difference maker. Great birdie on 18, no question, but. You you make bogey at 16 there and everything, everything changes. He's so incredibly likable,
1: right? I mean, not only does he have a smile on his face at all times, he gives you kind of the candid response and the self-deprecation that you like to hear. And oh, by the way, he's very good
3: at golf. I mean, it's just
1: like he is incredibly likable, Mark, and uh, clearly
3: such a bright future ahead. Well, the smile is worth a million dollars, isn't yeah. it? I mean, when that, that, that smile when after he made the birdie putt, it just lights up the place. And, and whenever I see him smile, and, and I've got the, the pleasure of, of chatting to him a little bit, and he's very likable, to your point. And the self-deprecation, I almost want to shake him and say, you're one of the top 20 now, 15 golfers in the world. Come on. Yeah, we'll now. talk about that, yeah. And, uh, anyhow, but, you know, whenever he does this, I, I just get these flashbacks of that. Uh, I, th- I think I found it on Twitter or wherever where someone had made a bunch of Victor Hovland bobbleheads. I think it was after his U.S. amateur victory. Yes. And you get the bobbleheads bobbing like this, and this, the camera pans out, and there's Victor, same thing with this massive grin on his face. <laughs> I mean, he just, he, he's one in a million. And, and um, look, the game aside, to your point, he he is just a marketer's dream. I mean, he's good-looking, he's well-spoken, he's well-versed, he's, and he's got that million-dollar smile. I mean, the boy's got it all.
1: It, it was a bit uncharacteristic on Sunday, Greg, because uh, he only hit six fairways, six of 14 fairways, uh, which was his worst of the week. He had hit 10, exactly 10 in each of the first three rounds, which is kind of surprising because he's such a good ball striker, able to figure it out. He's able to get up and down in tough situations. And, and then uh, uh, and Mark, you know, I, I hate to even say this in your presence. Yeah, this might this might come back to bite me a little bit. But like when you're on the back nine on Sunday, the stats go out the window and it's just all about. Getting
3: the ball in the cup. You know what? I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. Greg, i got to do this. Yeah, do it. Do it. You guys are the strokes gained off the T Brigade. Okay. And I just watched this boy miss countless fairways and he had quality irons. You know, kind of gamed his way to the victory. And. Uh, well, and I was like, yeah, oh man, this is the case study for, for <laughs> statistics, just straight out the back window, man. You just got to find a way to get the thing in the hole in one less than your competition.
2: Well, Mark, there the reason why in this event, he kind of goes to this model of just getting it in the hole, the st- the statistics don't matter. It's because they don't have shot link at this event. So he's not thinking <laughs> doesn't about his strokes getting off the team. <laughs> I
3: actually remember, Greg, that's so funny because I was watching the show and I st- clicked on my computer to get a bead on where Harris English and people were going, you know, the guys that I was sort of supporting. And, and, and I, I try to look around here and I'm like, there's no shots gained. And I was so <laughs> wishing that we could have found a guy a negative shots <laughs> gain off the tee who won a PGA Tour event. Uh, not this good, week.
1: How good is producer Jacob that he has this bobblehead tweet? There it is for you, Mark. <laughs> there it is right there. That's the best. All those Oklahoma <laughs> State bobbleheads and Victor Hovland uh, right there joining in on the action. Um, y- y- you know, gentlemen, we we really spent and we're, we're going to do this again at the end of at the end of this month. Right. We're going to look ahead to 2021. And when we looked ahead to 2020, one of the big storylines revolved around what we've been just talking about. These young stars on the PGA Tour, which almost always comes down to the conversation of Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf. Mark. I'll start with you on this one. Colin Morikawa, two wins in a PGA championship. Victor Hovland now with his second PGA Tour victory. Matthew Wolf, second at the U.S. Open, fourth at the PGA. All three of them inside the top 20 in the world. This could not have gone any better for that group.
3: No, it certainly couldn't, and and, and, and you know, reprise the conversation as to which is the best one of the group, and we, we're not even tossing Sung J M and company into that group and Joaquin Neiman and company. I mean, there's a bunch of really young stars in the tour, but these three guys coming out of college at the same time, look, they're highly decorated, they're vastly talented, they've got it all going on for them in their own way. All of them have a lot of personality, and, and um, there, there's, there's just so much to like. But I'm going to start the conversation and say, look, love Victor Hovland, love everything he does. Same thing with Matthew Wolf. But I still think, with respect to the other two, that Colin Morikawa is still the uh, he, he's kind of the the, the the bright light in the bunch. Not that the others are dim by any stretch of the imagination.
1: All right. Well, I'd be remiss if I did not bring in uh pistol Pete himself into this conversation. <laughs> Kyle Porter joining us. Another Oklahoma state victory for you, sir. Congratulations. Uh, Victor Hovland gets the job done. Wins his second wins for the second time on the PGA tour.
4: I thought it was going to be Austin Ekro for a while. <laughs>
1: yeah, he played well.
4: It's phenomenal. Uh, Ricky's got some work to do in the Oklahoma <laughs> state power rankings right now. It's a, it's a tough scene for him. Now. I think what, you know, what, what Mark just said is actually what I wrote about in uh, kind of my recap of just like, think about 18 months ago, none of these three guys. And you, you, like he said, you just throw Sung Jay in there. Scotty Scheffler, it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 24, I think 25, 24. Um, but, you know, 18 months ago, they are in college, they're amateurs. And now they have, I think six combined wins, a major, uh, a handful of top tens in majors, even though we haven't had that many. And they've won $10 million, $12 million, whatever the number is, just over the last 18 months. That's that's pretty crazy. And at a time where DJ's thriving, JT's thriving, Rory's great, John Rahm is playing the best golf of his career. It, it, it's been, you know, and this one for Victor, I think was, I mean, I'm sure you guys already talked about the Puerto
1: Rico, Puerto Rico curse being <laughs> broken. F- first words out of my mouth, yeah.
4: <laughs> but, like, this one was different. This was a really... You know, not that Puerto Rico was bad, but it's different beating Josh Teeter than it is beating Tony Finau and Justin Thomas in a field that's kind of loaded up. I mean, it was a good field. So uh, a a great way for Victor Hovland to end the year and a fitting way to end what was in some ways the year of the, you know, 22 year old. I'm
1: glad you brought up Tony Finau because uh, that's a name we've got to talk about. And Greg, uh, you bang the drum for Tony Finau week in and week out. So I'll let you kind of start here. I mean, when you look at this on paper and you say, okay, Tony, Tony Finau shot a four under 67 on Sunday, I think that looks a lot better than maybe if you were watching what he did, because I I think he basically lost uh, three balls into the penalty area off the tee. One I don't even know how he found and was able to get out of there without taking an unplayable. But things got very loose for Tony on the back nine. Dare I say again on a Sunday?
2: Yeah, it is again. Now, see, there's a there's an interesting line here because part of me is wondering as I'm watching this, does Tony just have a hard time with this nine holes of golf? Like, are, are because yesterday. Uh, it's the same thing. He makes three bogeys and no birdies on the second nine. Second nine was harder for a lot of players out there. Um, but the thing is with Tony, and this is really the key, it, it comes down to the moments. And when he gets in, when he gets himself into contention, right? He gets he he shoots 31 going out on the first nine. He's right there in the mix, and all of a sudden on ten, he his first shot is to the right and into the penalty area. And it's these when the moment gets really big yesterday same situation on Saturday he gets himself right into position with a lead and all of a sudden the second nine everything goes sideways and you just wonder if it is it just the rub of the green it's it's hard to argue for that at this point it's starting to look like when he gets into these moments where the pressure gets really high he he doesn't have his best stuff he doesn't perform at his very best he doesn't take it to the next gear he gears down a little bit and unfortunately he's he's going to have to change that in order to win i don't care if he has a six shot lead through 54 holes he's got to learn how to step on the gas when he gets close uh, and, and he's just he's getting himself taken out of it uh, too early on, on these sundays
1: Mark. Okay. So I, uh, the parallel to this. So we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Rory McIlroy kind of not playing himself out of tournaments, but being a slow starter on Thursday, really struggling in his opening round. And I think the question was like, you know, is this becoming a thing? And now we're having the same conversation about Tony Finau come a Sunday afternoon where he's in contention, where he's arguably often one of, if not the best player in contention, and we're getting the same result over and over again as a, as a coach, as a mentor, what, what would you be saying to Tony Finau?
3: I'd be saying to him, look, Tony, well, look, I, I don't know what's going on inside his head. It's easy for us to pontificate and go, right, the guy can't close. But, but there's oftentimes more to it, and, and Greg brings up a valid point by acknowledging that, you know, it's twice in a row he's played the second nine at this golf course poorly. But the first thing I'd say to Finau is, hey, look, I'm going to tell you about David Tuval, who for a long while, didn't win. And then when he won, he was prolific. Didn't win a major championship for a long while. Then he finally got his at the open. Phil Mickelson, you know, he finished second a lot before he finally got his first major. Now, the major and the mayakoba classic with respect are not the same event. <laughs> but 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 still, you know, winning an event, it's to me. It's more than just X's and O's. It's more than just making putts when you need to. There's, there's a whole bunch of things on the go, and, and maybe he's not comfortable. I don't know. I've never asked him, and he hasn't said as much. But if I was advising him, I'd say to him, Pell, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, All you can do is can try and control you. Can't try and control your golf ball. Put the thing in play. Maybe knocking some putts wouldn't mean something, and maybe things will work out for you. But the real truth of it is, and now I'm playing into Carl's uh, area <laughs> where I, I'm, I'm, I want to say, and I've, I say it all ad nauseum, really, that it's, the PGA Tour is a loaded deal right now. And if you make one misstep, you're going to get blown over, especially on a golf course like this. And that one early bogey made on the, the backside, I think it was 10 or whatever it was, you know, all of a sudden you've got six, seven, eight guys just trample you on the way past you there. And then all of a sudden, when you're thinking about breaking that seal and I want to get my win, perhaps you get a little rash with some of the decision-making. And maybe you force a shot that isn't on. So, again, I'd say to him, hey, Duval, there's been a number of guys that haven't won a bunch early. Ricky Fowler, there's another one. But he got his share. So, it's imminent. He just needs to stay patient, keep putting himself in position.
1: It's certainly… Uh, not the, the results are certainly not of lack of effort or even a lack of tinkering, Kyle. I mean, I think it was Greg and I on Thursday who talked about this new putter that he's using. It's very unique. He's identified, uh, you know, that left miss for him being troublesome on the putting greens. And and maybe it is just finding the right combination of things for Tony Finau. And maybe this has nothing to do with the mental side. Just, you know, you only get yourself into contention a handful of times. Sometimes things go right. Sometimes they go wrong. I think you're on mute, KP.
4: I've, n- I've never done one of these before.
1: <laughs> first, I remember my first podcast. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the putter is, uh, you know, it's the, it's the Charles Schwartzel. It looks like a manufacturing error. Like, yeah. well, I, It's tough to look at, honestly. Uh, Finau, I was looking at his, no- so he's been ranked in the top 20 in the world at the end of each of the last three years. And he has no wins in that time. That's got to be, I mean, Justin Wright can probably pull the number on it in like 12 seconds, but that can't have happened. Like that, that's, that's odd. Like that doesn't happen very often. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of starting to get discouraged about Finau. It's like, we keep saying this and I, and I, I kind of beat this drone with Fowler. I'm like, he'll win a major, he'll win a major, he'll win a major. And now it's like, will he win a major? <laughs> and I sort of feel like that a little bit about Fina. Oh, he'll win, he'll win, he'll win. And now it's like, will he? And and like, at what point? And he's in this weird category where he plays in like really good events. So they're actually very difficult to win because he's so highly ranked in the world rankings. Um, and so it's almost unfair that he, I don't know. It's, he, he's like, the, he's kind of an anomaly. Like he's, it's, it's very strange what he's done over the last few years. But the more he does this, where he kind of just is a little bit allergic to leads. I, I think it's a fair thing to say uh, the more discouraged I get about, like just, you know, kind of how his future and, and his career is going to play out.
1: One guy that I don't think any of us are discouraged about is Justin Thomas and KP. I'll stay here with you on this. Cause I think it was Thursday night. You asked me like, uh, can he win this thing? And I was like, no, it's absolutely not. He cannot win this thing. And I was really scared, Uh, like, you know, halfway through Saturday. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, he's now he's now routed off 67. He's in the midst of shooting a 62. I think he told us he probably left a couple of strokes out there. Uh, Another one of these. T 12s where uh, he charges for three rounds, one rounds kind of, kind of hurt him, but th- this is what top players do, right? This is what we talked about. This is what top players do. You don't have your best stuff all four rounds. If he would have, he would have won the golf tournament. He doesn't. And he's still able to find a way to put himself in the top 15.
4: It kind of feels like the floor, right? Yeah. Like, 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 like you go out and shoot, what do you shoot? 72 in round one. I think he was. Yeah. over. Yeah. And then you've got to shoot uh, 21 under of the in 54 holes. Like, you got to shoot 60, what would that be, 64 every day just to to get into yeah. a playoff? I mean, that's, <laughs> you, you, you're not going to do, it's just really hard to do. And so, yeah, it, it uh, you could kind of see that coming from JT in terms of like, okay, Thursday was his bad day, and then he'll make a run and finish in the top, you know, 15 or whatever. Um, look, for, uh, f- this is fourth year in a row with multiple wins on tour started the year with a win in, in uh, Kapalua, and he ended it, at, or he will end it as I think the number three player in the world. If not, I don't know, maybe he'll move up to number two, but, um, he's, yeah, he's one of the three best guys in the world. And, and you would expect one of the three best guys in the world to have a floor of finishing T12 in a good, but not elite event.
1: The floor is interesting. Uh, the floor is something you and I, Greg, talk about quite a bit. And this is now the sixth straight event that Justin Thomas has finished no worse than 12th. I mean, if that is not, if that is not the floor, I don't, I don't know what is it's he's, he's locked it. Even when he can't putt, even when something else goes wrong, when he has one bad round, here we are on Sunday evening. And he's part of the, he's part of the rundown.
2: He's an elite scorer. It's it's amazing to watch him because they're we've talked about this uh, at length. You watch a uh, Xander or Patrick Cantlay, even Tony Finau, and the ball always seems to be right in front of them. They rarely seem to be in dramatic trouble. We can exclude Tony from from this week, uh, this weekend, because he was in the jungle a couple of times. But basically, these guys are are so steady. John Rahm, they're so steady. The ball just stays in front of them. It looks so easy. Justin Thomas, it seems to get all over the place. He seems to get frustrated a little more than maybe some of the other guys, maybe excluding John Rahm, where he's hitting errant tee shots, finds a way to score. He misses short putts. They always seem to be putts for birdie. He always seems to shoot 67, and it feels like it should have been 62 all the time. And it it's elite, and that's why he is number three in the world. I suppose the question I would pose to you is over a period of time, if you were to say um, in the next two years, who would you rather two or three years, maybe? What, even what about
1: 10 years? What about over the next decade? Okay. Well, no, I, I don't want to go
2: 10. <laughs> I don't want to go 10. <laughs> this isn't a win projection. I'm just wondering, who would you rather have Justin Thomas or Rory McIlroy? Cause I think there's some interesting For, parallels what are, there. What are, what are we like? Who do you think is a better, better player? Who do you think is a better player over the next two or three years?
4: Well, what is what does better player mean to you?
2: Well, I suppose there's a there's a mix of things, right? There's uh, there's yeah. wins, there's consistency, uh performance in major championships, there's there's all, all those things that go into it.
3: I've got four majors in this hand, <laughs> and I've got one major in this hand, and you're giving me 70 so years. Uh again, well, I'm just saying, going forward for the next three yeah, years. It's not who's a not, who's back. not not careers.
2: Just going because Justin Thomas is ahead of Rory in the world golf rankings, and I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if you ask the general public who's a better player, Justin Thomas or Rory McIlroy. I don't think very many people would say. Uh, I'm not sure many people would say Justin Thomas. Uh, you'd probably say Rory.
3: Well, right? I, you you talk about a floor, and remember it was earlier this year when McElroy went. How many events where he he, he didn't finish outside the top six? I think it was like, like seven. That was seven a long time a ago. Year.
1: It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive events from WGCHS. No, no, from the Zozo last year to the Arnold Palmer, and then the shutdown happened, and
3: he and, ha- and, hasn't been the same. And and that's the thing that I not that I'm saying Justin Thomas can't do it. All of these guys have this ability, these blue chip players where they can just turn it on for stretches and they can come to an event like this and have basically nothing and still find themselves on the leaderboard when the reckoning is to be had. But that being said, nothing is ever a guarantee, nothing. And that's the mistake all of us, should not make to go well you know the guy's so good he's going to finish the year's third or whatever the case might be oh sign him up for three more victories and he's comfortably you know going to be one of the leading players in the game we just never know. I mean, look at Dustin Johnson for a little while. Then we were having conversations um, right after Minnesota, going, "What is on earth is wrong with Dustin Johnson?" Now, at the end of the year, we're like, "Dustin Johnson's a god." Did you see him on, uh, you know, college game day with his green jacket on? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a difficult thing to, dis- to, to 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 really make informed calls on, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Now, do, if things stay like they are for Justin Thomas. Heck yes, the guy can win multiple multiple events every year because he's a five-tool player, as you guys would call him. But but there's there, there there are so many more things that aren't measurable that are always brought to bear. Now the one thing I will give him, he's a very grounded young man who's got a tremendous uh, crew around him, starting with his father Mike. They they have just got life well organized, and and everything's kept into perspective. And and Justin seems like he's just a good guy who plays really good golf. and he's kind of cool with it. You know, he doesn't let it get in the way of his performance.
4: So Rory or JT?
3: I can't, I, I couldn't tell you that. I'd, I'd take either one of them.
4: Okay. Um, I'll give you an answer, Greg. Okay. I will go with – I mean, JT is better than Rory right now. Like the last six months, three months, What I mean – Uh, maybe a year i mean he won he's won he won twice this year rory didn't win at all um the thing that's interesting about jt is if you look at and i know we're not doing like like top 10s at majors don't i mean neither neither of those guys care about that as it relates Mm -hmm. to like what it means historically Jt hasn't been great at majors over the last really over the course of his career he's won one I think he's got four top tens correct me if I'm wrong Rick uh Rory's floor at majors seems to be just insane like it's just so and I realize he he'll miss the cut at a us open or whatever but I mean he was lousy for what felt like most of the masters and he felt still finished fifth or sixth or whatever he did so i think that rory kind of kind of has him at majors but overall it's been jt and I, and i don't i don't really know how to reconcile those two things because we we care we care disproportionately about major championships and that's just kind of the way things are so I, I think I'll go JT, but very, very hesitantly um, because Rory has been better at majors.
1: I've got JT for five top tens in 20 major championships at my quick count.
3: Okay. May, may, may I quickly? Um, I, I'm listening to this conversation, and I'm trying to separate the two of them because I'm trying to be present about this all and look at things as they currently are. But Rory McIlroy is going into Hall of Fame. Simple. So, so, so with that all being said, and I know you guys are projecting forward and maybe I'm looking a little bit back, but looking a little bit back tells me kind of what people are capable of. And Kyle, you make a good point as to what Justin Thomas has done, you know, for a long while he was winning off the contiguous United States and then he's brought it to the U.S. So, so, so I think right now you give me McElroy by a nose. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.
1: Well, Mark, looking back, uh, is a perfect segue to our next topic. Cause gentlemen, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks in the shortest off season in sports. And we're going to do a lot of content based on, you know, looking forward and projecting and talking about players and major championships and all of those things. But this is kind of our first opportunity to look back. We just had our final, uh, PGA tour event of the calendar year. And I'm just kind of curious what stands out, right? Like we didn't, we didn't prep for this, Greg. I didn't, we didn't send you a text and say, come with your, your most memorable moments of 2020, but just in, in terms of this calendar year and things that stick out to you, is there anything that
2: comes top of mind? Well, there's, there's <laughs> a lot. I mean, this is a year where, uh, the, the entire year I think will be in the, front of our minds for a very long time. I, I mean, I don't know when we're going to start to see spectators at a PGA tour event. So there are a couple of moments in uh, it, that happened on the field of play that really stuck out to me, but it's really the changing of the guards. We had this shutdown and all of a sudden Dustin Johnson, who was injured, not really in great form plays great gets a win shoots 80, 80, 78 comes back, ends up player of the year. Now a master's champion. You have Bryson DeChambeau who probably right now, a little bit forgotten after, after masters, but he was really the story of 2020. Um, and you had a Rory McElroy kind of fall in, uh, falling away, a guy who couldn't finish outside the top five. And so you had a, a big, there was a lot of shifting in this year, a lot more than I can remember among the, among the very top players. So, it, um, I think that's the thing I'll remember the most, how people handled, uh, all the changing circumstances throughout the year.
1: The thing that uh, was our overriding word, I feel like for 2020 KP was, was weird, right? It was a weird year. We tried to embrace it as much as possible. The players tried to embrace it as much as possible. Uh, We have the storyline of obviously the shutdown and no fans after the return. We have the arms race to distance. We have the young guns. Is there any, any one of those that interests you or something that we're not thinking about?
4: Uh, I mean, it, it could have been the year of Scott Stallings, given how much I talked about him on this. Podcast.
1: He, he's probably the third most mentioned golfer on this podcast.
4: <laughs> so I think there are. Uh, God, we talked a lot about Spieth as well. I think there are three things, and 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 I'll go I'll go quick on all of them, and I'll go in opposite order of importance. So the least important would be the the young guys having such great years, and and that's a little recency bias because Hovland just won. But for Morikawa to win a PJ Championship and Wolf to finish top five in two of them, I mean, it, they were better even than, I think, advertised. Number two would be DJ winning $23 million since Brooks called him out at the PJ Ch- I mean, his last mm. three months were a joke. I mean, it was, it was as good as we've seen golf played in the last couple decades. Uh, and then three, and uh, this is a little... I think this is going to be proven retroactively more than it feels like in the moment. But I think that golf shifted at the U S open this year. I really, I really believe that. And I think that you're going to see, um, you're going to see changes from the USGA, from the RNA, from p- potentially, I guess, the national based on what Bryson did. And, and you know, it, it's not going to feel like that. Cause he missed the cut at the masters. It's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever. But I think he, I think golf changed at this year's U.S. Open. I really believe that, and I think that, I hope that you get some sort of, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, rollback or, or whatever, to where we're not, um, we're still able to go to classic places like, um, like Wingfoot and you know different courses like that. And so I, I, I don't know that that storyline feels like the most prominent right now. But I think when we look back in ten years we'll say, okay, that's when things shifted uh going into the future.
1: The thing I love about you most KP is your spiciest takes are ones that might take five or 10 years to come to fruition. So we won't be able to hold you accountable on a lot of this <laughs> stuff for a while, which I think is a that's professional move. Yeah. I think it's a real professional move. Yeah,
4: it's That's veteran stuff, boys. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like that. Mark, you, you obviously had, you know, kind of a different uh perspective on a lot of this season, especially after the, the shutdown uh, than we did. So, you know, you've, you've been, been out on the road, you've been going through the testing and being on site. Um, what is is your reflection of this 2020 calendar year?
3: Well, you know, it's funny. I was reminiscing a little bit about this the other day on the couch as I was watching some golf. And, and and I was trying to separate, and I wrote about it for Golf Magazine, where it was more from a teaching point of view. But personally, there were a few events that that, that stuck out to me as I was looking back. And and the one was uh, Thursday afternoon uh, at the Players' Championship, and I'm out on the course, and I've got then the group of uh, the top three players in the world, McElroy, uh, Rahm, and Brooks Kepka. And I remember walking down the 14th fairway and Rory comes to me and he goes, did you hear the news about them canceling the NCAA tournament? And I was like, yes. And this was right at the outset of yeah. coronavirus kind of coming onto the scene. There was some conversation and a lot of criticism leveled at the tour, but we were out there on the, on the golf course just doing golf. And I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. Then I remember the following morning in my hotel room, packing up on a Friday morning, watching the commissioner's press, press conference, essentially canceling the players and canceling the foreseeable future. And that'll that'll stick with me till the end of time because I've never been in that place before. And then then fast forward into June and, and, and getting onto the premises at the Colonial for the Charles Schwab Challenge and being a part of that broadcast crew to bring golf back. And I remember Jim Nance, I mean, the guy's the doyen of the broadcast industry, saying to the group of us, this might be the most poignant, meaningful broadcast that I'm ever a part of. And I remember thinking, good Lord, this guy's seen and called it all. So that stood out to me. And then there were one or two situations on the golf course that were so special, but one to to that really stuck out. I mean, there were a number of shots I, I I got a I got that Marikawa t-shot on 16. <laughs> I was on 15 green. And he launched that t-shot down there. And when I left the club face, it was like straight down my line. And I looked at this going, holy cow, that could go in. And I I wasn't up there. It was Frank Noblo's whole well. lad, the Bryson DeChambeau group. And I heard the the smattering of applause, no fans, obviously. And he goes on to win. And, and to me, I remember smiling to myself going, Goodness gracious, this guy has got something. Yeah, I mean, we, we all knew he was good, but to hit that shot on that hole at that time, that was super special. And then there was one more shot. From 157 yards, I'll, I'll never forget the number. The 12th hole, Augusta National final round, wins all over the show, playing with a lead. Dustin Johnson, who can move move an 8-iron about 180 yards, 185 comfortably, if he needs to, goes in there with this little two-finger 8-iron, hits it to about 15 feet. And to me, then sort of wraps up the tournament. And I remember looking at this going, this guy has all of the tools. <laughs> you know, Gear down in an 8-iron just about 154 yards when the adrenaline must be coursing through his veins. I mean, that shot will live with me for a long, long time. And it proved to me that Dustin Johnson is more than just the power guy. And it proved to me further to Carl's to point about, okay, golf went underwent this change with Bryson coming along, that there is something to the off-speed delivery. And even though you've got all the power that a DJ Bryson, these guys do to be able to gear down and just sort of flight one in there. I mean, it was a masterclass and for me, it'll, it'll be with me for a while. Awesome.
1: Yeah, we're going to do we're going to do a lot of uh, not only reflecting of 2020, but also looking ahead to 2021 in the next couple of weeks. One uh, one somber note here, Greg, before you go on to odds and ends, we did lose a good one. Uh, Peter Alice passed at age 89, not only uh, 31 professional wins, not only a World Golf Hall of Famer, but uh, also known as the voice of golf to many
2: and that that's how I really know him. I mean, I remember waking up on weekend mornings flipping on golf channel and there's there's Peter Alice uh, and he, and he was the voice of golf. This was when I first started getting into the game. What made golf so cool it was it was like I was um a uh, like an immigrant it, coming into this game and uh, assimilating to the, the cultures of the game. And Peter Alice had a big influence in kind of showing me how that all works. And it was just, the, he had the coolest voice and he was so knowledgeable and so quick witted and, um, he was incredibly inspiring. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough loss, but I'll definitely remember. I mean, I'm sure that he had a great, uh, it was a, a great life by all accounts, everything that I've seen, it's, it's incredible. So, uh, he'll be missed, but, um, but, I know he had a big influence on myself and and my career and my love for the game.
1: Mm, Well, well said. Um, We're going to turn our attention here to our odds and ends. So uh, matchup picks. Uh, first of all, my quick count here, I believe Mark, you were three and two, which is going to win the week, uh, Kyle, Greg, and myself all two and three. So Mark, you are going to hold on to that matchup belt for at least three weeks, I suppose.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I define myself by this contest
1: as you should, uh, Kyle, uh, you were the best in our expert picks and it's funny because on, when do we do that? Tuesday. Uh, you hopped off the pod and threw your expert picks into the outline. And one of them was Brooks Kepka to miss the cut at four to one. And I thought it was very suspicious of you to drop that in the, in the outline, hop off and not have to defend it. But now, sir, I tip my cap to you. <laughs> you were correct.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm just not a believer in Brooks right now. And I've kind of, held that position all, most of the year, I think all year, I think coming in, I was kind of down on him. And, you know, I think, I think next year it's, you know, I read, uh, Eamon Lynch had a really interesting piece on Ricky Fowler today, just talking about how big 2021 is for him. He threw Spieth in there. He threw Brooks in there. He threw Rory in there in terms of big names. And I think I agree on, I don't know if I agree on all those guys of 2021 being really important, but I think for Brooks, it kind of is, you know, just given how bad the last 14 months have been for him going into to next or to next year
1: you also nailed a harris english top 10 and your sleeper john huh makes the cut and finishes t20 all in all a very good week for you kp one and done uh producer jacob Behind the glass, doing all the magic, has Victor Havlo. Oh, he's got this graphic ready, doesn't he? Has this graphic ready to rock and roll. $1.296 million goes to producer Jacob. Uh, I get 147000 from Abraham Answer, KP. You get one seventeen from Corey Connors. Greg, 29000 for Scott Piercy and Mark in time out for the week. I did the <laughs> Harris English. You got himself a top five. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was It was timeout, but if I had a pick, it would have been Harris English. And here are the updated one and graphics. done. This, this is, is amazing, right? Yeah. Jacob is, is absolutely killing it. Uh, Mark still in the lead 3.4, Greg 3.3, Kyle and myself at 2.1 million. And Jacob with the 1.2 gets back into the mix at just a hair over 2 million. Those are our updated one and done standings. Gentlemen we are about a year into, uh, doing this together. I think the four of us all started up around the president's cup last year, which would have been in December. So we've got a a lot of great things to talk about, a lot of great things moving forward, but I want to thank each and every one of you. We've got a lot of content coming up, but Greg, uh, put a, you know, I'll let everybody put kind of a capper on, uh, this 2020 year that we've had. And I'd like to start with you.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Um, you guys are, are you crack me up. I look forward to these <laughs> things we do every single week. Uh, and uh, the group chat is hysterical. And for those of you viewing, watching, unfortunately, you don't get to see that. I think every once in a while with these new graphics, we may make a couple of those uh, public, but we'll see. Well, so it's been, I, it's I been great I didn't know fun. if we're actually doing that,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> that might change the way those group chats work.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll sign, we'll get paperwork out to you before, okay, we, okay. before we do any of that. But yeah. It's been, it's been great fun and it has all of, all of you have really inspired me going into the game. I I watched the PGA tour at a different level because of all of you guys. And, and um, you challenged me to keep my stuff sharp because nobody lets you get away with anything around here. So it's been a real pleasure. It's been a great year. um, And I'm looking forward to 2021.
1: KP, you are sitting in a brand new office, which by the way, is looking great coming together in a big way. 2020, a, a big year for all of us. I'm, I'm glad that you were such a big part of it. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, well, you know, first of all, it's been a, a joy to, and like I'd echo what Greg said, it's been so much fun to do these with you guys because 18 months ago, I mean, I don't know how many people know this. I was like recording and producing these myself and trying, <laughs> it, it was a disaster. I mean, it was terrible. So producer Jacob, I think gets uh, MVP of 2020. He's been for sure. Uh, he's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, he's been just kind of what has held all of us together and, and set us up for success. So I know I said that over Thanksgiving, um, it's still true today. And, uh, I'm also looking forward to 2021 more JT takes.
1: I'm sure there'll be more, uh, plenty of JT takes in the hopper. Mark Immelman, uh, you can play us out here. Uh, congratulations on a great 2020. It was great to see you or where, wherever you were, whether it was uh, your work on Golf Channel, whether you were on the on the course. It was always great fun to have you.
3: Yeah, well, look, I, I want to echo everything that you guys have said. To be a part of this crew is, is is all kinds of fun, and I do look forward to it. And I look forward to the KP takes, especially over text, because you know. These <laughs> These brighten my day a little bit once in a while, and 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 for me, um, I, I'm so thankful to Jacob because I can click on you. Yeah, I finally figured out how to look to this rundown because it makes research a whole lot <laughs> <It's> easier. <kidding. laughs> Thanks, Mark. No kidding. So, uh, so it, it's been all sorts of fun. It's it's my wish for 21 that like Carl uh, Porter, Mark Mulman wine wine uh, in in a hotel room at a PGA tour event. Uh, That's good fun. I just wish the four of us or the five of us with Jacob could get together and do that and, and see what comes out of that sort of conversation in that situation.
0: Maybe,
4: maybe they left the college game day set up at, at Augusta and we could just take that over for, for in April.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's just sitting there. We are holding we are holding thumbs uh, for the day. We can all be uh, drinking wine at the hotel together. Uh, gentlemen, while this is the capper for the 2020 calendar year of the PGA Tour schedule, this is certainly not the end of the first cut podcast. We're going to be back on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday for a little preview action in Dubai. US Women's Open. We have a lot of great stuff scheduled for the next couple of weeks to keep you busy and entertained and everything in between until it is January 7th, is when we will be at the Tournament of Champions in Maui for Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. For Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD, for Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. Thank you to Jacob behind the glass. i Rick Game and at Rick Run Good, this has been The First Cut and we'll catch you next time.